You've got it tuned to 104.3 and 104.7. KHUM, Cutton, Eureka, Arcata, and streamed on the web, khum.com, translator K2A280, Ferndale. My name is Lindsay, and joining us today is Jenny Scheiman. She's a local and international musician. She lives around these parts, and it's not too often we get to check out what she's been up to in the world, but that's about to change because she's going to be coming to the Arkley here on Friday, April 5th, and performing her show, Canapolis, A Moving Portrait. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Lindsay. Thanks Good for, to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. You want to start off with a tune? I will. That's beautiful. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Jenny Scheinman, and she's here to talk about Canapolis, a moving portrait. Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about what Canapolis is and how you became involved in it? Canapolis is a show I've been touring around for the last three years, and um, it was commissioned by Duke University. They have an incredible archive of American moving footage. And the curator there was a fan of mine and and asked me to put together a performance um, with the footage. He gave me access to 40 of these amazing old movies that H. Lee Waters shot in the late 30s. And um, to put them to my music, I, I was able to get in there and edit them with the filmmaker Finn Taylor. And um, I wrote a whole bunch of music for the show. If you come to the show, you'll see this beautiful footage up on the screen at the Arkley. And I'll be also on stage with two other wonderful musicians, Robbie Folks, um, who's a great singer, songwriter, picker, uh, banjo player, and uh, Robbie Gerso, his longtime sidekick and a dear friend of mine. Um, Both of them are from Chicago, and they're great bluegrass, old-time country blues musicians. Um, I'm going to be playing fiddle. And so we have this little acoustic band on stage in front of this beautiful old footage that has been turned into a a new movie that goes along with a set of music that I wrote. It sounds really wonderful. And I, I feel like I've been hearing a lot from you about this footage in particular. Where does it come from and what era is it from? Can you talk a little bit about the footage and what the process was like in putting it together and editing it down with Finn Taylor? Yeah. So... The footage is all shot by the same person, H. Lee Waters. Um, He was a portrait photographer in Lexington, North Carolina. Um, He and his wife ran a little tiny portrait studio. And then uh, 1936 hit. People weren't interested in getting their portrait taken, nor did they really have the money. And um, so he bought a camera, like a, a movie camera, and he had this harebrained scheme of going to small towns and shooting footage of people sort of going about their lives, um, people in public places, kids coming out 
of school, kids running across the playground, people on the streets, um, people coming out of factories, a few store owners, just sort of regular people, um, the look of the town, a portrait of the town. And these movies were, oh, anywhere from maybe 15 to 30 minutes long, and they were called Movies of Local People. And he would announce as he was filming the people that he would be coming back, he'd usually come back a couple weeks later and show these films as a double feature with some Hollywood, uh, you know, film that was in the local movie theater. So for a very small amount of money, people could go and see themselves on the screen, which, you know, at the time was was novel. People didn't know very much about um, you know, f- photographing themselves very unlike today, where we're very aware of, you know, images of ourselves, of posting that, of Facebook, and, you know, all the social media that reflects back us to each other. This was very new. And it was also, you know, the middle of the Depression. So the kind of um, elevation of the public, the regular people who many of whom were really struggling, was a was a, a beautiful art piece um, that came out of this, you know, little entrepreneurial idea he had. About how many different towns and communities do you think are included in this moving portrait that became Canapolis? Um, so we went through, I think, 40 different... We had access to about 40 of his 120 movies. Whoa. Um, yeah, an incredible amount of footage. And his his style of, of movie making and editing was these very, very short shots, like maybe three to seven seconds. Um, and he edited in camera, meaning he just would shoot somebody and then stop the camera and then move to something else. We sorted through um, all these films and sort of organized them by theme. And um, I think there are maybe over 2,000 shots in this film that Finn made. Um, and yeah, it, there are many different towns. Each each movie was basically a different town. I think he would return to, t- to a couple of the towns he returned to more than once. But um, there's a lot from the town of Kannapolis, and there's footage from other towns in that Piedmont region of the United States. Neat. So um, when when it came time for you to start to set music to these images, what was that process like? Had you done anything like this before? And how did it feel? And how do you feel about it now? Um, I wrote a lot for it. I, I was really inspired by a couple scenes in the, in the footage of musicians um, there's a lot of dancing and music in the footage. Some of that is like right on the street corner. I guess maybe H. Lee Waters um, noticed musicians walking down the street and asked them to play a song for him. Um, there's also some scenes of people gathered around like a, a piano player in one scene and then a guitar player in another um, and, and everybody kind of showing off their dance moves. But the really striking one to me and the, and the one that, that I sort of based the band on was was actually a resonator guitar, which is this, you know, slightly louder guitar with a with a resonating cone in it, um, with a slide, and banjo, which is c- kind of loud, and a fiddle, and that that's sort of the basis for the band that that I that I created for the show. So, um, how, about how long is the show with all of the footage that you edited down? 
with Finn Taylor and do you feel like it tells a story or is it kind of just this moving from piece to piece? Like, how is it brought together? I love your questions. This is fun. Cool. (laughs) I'm Um, having fun too. It's nice to talk with you. (laughs) Yes. Um, so the, the film is about an hour long and after I said I loved your question, I've completely forgotten your question. Well, Sorry. I was wondering um, when when you put this film together about how long it is and, and does it tell a story oh, or right, is right. it kind of these pieces joining together or how did you go about approaching putting it together as a body of work? Totally. So um, the filmmaker is a, a feature filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's really um, interested in narrative and um, keeping people's attention you know, he makes really, um, he, he made um, Dreams with the Fishes, he made um, Cherish, he made this really funny movie called The Darwin Awards. Um, anyway, he's, he's not a documentary filmmaker. Um, had I worked with a documentary filmmaker, I'm sure it would look really different because this is archival footage, you know, American footage. And there's no story um, in the footage other than a portrait of these towns. But he approached the footage, first of all, he sort of organized it by theme. There's labor, there's um, kids, there's um, women, there's, you know, all these sort of different perspectives. Um, There's dancing. Um, And so he organized it that way. And but he also picked, um, I think, seven different characters, which, you know, if if you know that going in, you might recognize them. If you don't know that going in, it might just have the feel of familiarity by 20 minutes in. You know, there's a couple shots that basically repeat throughout the film. And I think his um, his strategy was to give the audience the feeling of watching a movie and not watching a documentary or not a film about something, but an immersive experience and some sort of story, I guess, the way narrative makes you feel, even if there's not actually a story. Um, And and that was through sort of emphasizing a couple different characters. Um, And then he, just through editing, he he tells a couple stories in it. Like there's um, there's a scene where people are gathering um, to watch a traveling performer. There's there's a bunch of these in the movie, but the one I'm thinking of is of the, the a man and a woman um, who scale a building. And they, probably they were safe because people that do this, you know, do it in every town and they know what they can do. But they make it look really terrifying. Like they, they, they almost fall out of a window and their legs are shaking and the, uh, the crowd, um, you know, oohs and ahs and covers their eyes and... Um, in the in the original footage, it isn't so clear what's happening, but uh-huh. Finn has really edited it to make this sort of little short story about that, really about um, people entertaining each other, which is really a big kind of takeaway from the movie. And for me, working on the footage, it uh, just working on the whole show, it's it really illuminates how much potential we have to to interact, to entertain each other with very little. You know, it's it's a world before um, handheld devices and social media and incredible variety of high-tech ways of entertaining each other and staying busy and staying distracted. And there's so much um, just human connection in it 
fun stuff like dance moves and dancing together and people walking down the street doing funny walks, but also just sort of the way they look at the camera is so um, kind of fresh. Um, And so that's sort of a theme throughout. When you began working on composing music to accompany these images, these moving images, was there a particular image that you started with or was there the in the process was there just kind of this overall feeling that you had from the combination of images or what was that process like for you <clears throat> one thing i did um it, it, when it was very much uh, exploration and and i wrote about 3 plus hours of music for for this show which is only an hour long so i was able to toss out a lot wow that's a lot <clears throat> of music to write yeah, right. I, I wrote, I probably wrote two and a half hours and I collected some too, you know, but um, a lot of that music, I, I like the music, but it didn't click with the footage. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've ever done that, you know, when something clicks, when music and moving footage clicks, it's a really obvious thing. And um, for me, I only really know it when I see it. And when I experienced the two together, I had all sorts of ideas for this movie that didn't work. Like, I really wanted to have vibes on it. It's like, yes. And I, I arranged a session down in Oakland with a vibes player. I wrote out some music. I brought the filmmaker. I was super hot on this idea. And within like 30 seconds, it was so terrible. It was really cheesy. And it didn't, it didn't support the film. It didn't make me feel anything. It, it like distanced it. Do you feel like that goes back to maybe this idea of the instrumentation reflecting somewhat of the sound and the instrumentation that was used when the footage was captured? Or do you think it's something aside from that? Well, I feel like, um, you know, I tried some literal stuff. And actually, there's a few other musicians that have played around with this footage. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They were like college students at Duke, basically. I don't know how many people have seen this stuff, but... I watched it because I was curious. And I also played the footage with a bunch of recordings just to see what kind of sounds and tempos and grooves and associated, you know, the, the associations we have with music, what, what would click. And sometimes hitting it on the head didn't quite work. Huh. I think the fiddle tunes worked. Mm-hmm. That was one of the somehow, I th- maybe because so much of the footage is outside, um... And there's a dance quality that sort of, and it's instrumental, so it sort of lets the characters on the screen just just do their thing, like it frees them up a little bit and supports them. Um, so yeah, I I mean some sometimes the the literal music from the era isn't what makes people feel something, and sometimes it is. It was a crapshoot, and um, you know, we, as I said, we tried like three hours of music that I wrote plus a lot of recordings and we just put it up against it and we'd make lists of what worked and what didn't and I just had to liberally throw out tons of tunes that I thought would work but but didn't. Could you maybe give us an example of something that worked and something that didn't work? Is that a weird question? No that's great I'm just trying to think of what didn't work like what was that other two hours of music? Um, I'll play you one that does work first. Okay. And I have to say this, this tune for some reason works well with footage in general, because I, um, 
probably remember there was a there's a annual women's march and and the first one I think there was a video made and and I actually lent them this song. <coughs> Somehow works with film. Super simple. It's just got a beat. And this piece in Canapolis is um it's like a mill. These, a lot of these are mill towns. And so there's this chugga chugga thing of the mill and people coming out of the mill and it's about labor. is this incredible resonator slide guitar player and he's playing all this cool stuff all over this stuff and I just get the groove. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's pretty cool. So were there any particular um, characters, you're going back, you're saying there were seven characters that are kind of the main focus. Mm -hmm. Did you kind of pick those characters? Does each character have their sound or their their reprise of sorts mm -hmm. when they appear in the film or did you use those characters to base any of your music off of um they don't really have themes but there are um so the the show is kind of like a a, a music show where there's songs it's a set of songs in between which are these sort of stills that dissolve into each other and each song um, has a theme pretty much and some of those are based around one of the characters and there there are a few more ambient um, interstitial kind of parts but um, like one of the characters is um, this um, man who's dancing with a broom in the middle of the street and he's um, sort of it's in slow-mo one of the things that h lee waters did with this footage that we also um enhanced is slow basically slowing things down reversing things and um yeah it was actually really pretty much that which is a lot which is super emotive in in films like as we know the slow-mo race to the end or the slow-mo anything can be so right. evocative and um so this um, dancer, he's really, he's really in these like super raggedy clothes and he's at a, a size relationship to the screen where he's just perfectly framed by the screen, but he's pretty big and he's dancing with a, with a broom 
and he's spinning. And um, it's just super entrancing. And, and the beginning of the show starts with that, and, and also the piece ends with it, the, the whole show. that same melody turns into a fiddle tune that that is sort of the central theme for another really great character in the in the film who is this traveling um yo-yo uh, virtuoso nice. <laughs> and he's just incredible and and he's the only person in the film that has is was truly a celebrity or not a celebrity but not a completely anonymous common person and uh, I can't remember his name at the moment but we somebody um, who we did this show for came up and said, hey, that was that guy. And he used to travel around that area. And I grew up um, near Kannapolis and he came through town. Wow. And, and um, so that was cool to actually have a little bit of a history on this one character. And so if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Jenny Scheinman, and she is bringing her show Kannapolis, a moving portrait where she's teaming up with Robbie Folks and Robbie Gerso. And they're coming to town. They're playing at the Arkley Center for the Performing Arts on Friday, April 5th. The show's at 7.30. And Jenny's just discussing a bit of the process of what putting this show together feels like and what the process has been like for for you while you've been working on this project. Um, I have a question for you because you're from this area originally. You're from um, Petrolia. And... That area in general, I feel like when you're talking about some of the things um, that were really sticking out to you in this film about how we can entertain ourselves with so little, that that's kind of something that might have been a theme for you earlier in life. And I wonder how much of what your hometown and what your upbringing and your childhood has to do with your perspective on the footage for Kannapolis. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, many of you listeners probably have been to Petrolia. It's super tiny. And, you know, when I was a kid, we didn't have electricity for a while. My parents and a couple other families were um, totally into community and the way they helped build and continue to um, energize that community is a lot through things like town cabarets and um, Ryan Tide's crazy rides, you know, sort of annual get togethers where traditions start. Now this has all been going on for, you know, 35, 40 years. But, um, you know, yeah, entertaining each other. We used to have, we used to camp out in this alder forest when I was a kid. And my parents put on these big, uh, you know, champagne breakfasts where people would tromp through the nettles into this sort of random place in the woods and all uh, hang out together and sing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I am interested in that, you know, how, how people can get along without any assistance and how they can keep each other engaged and... Um, and all of that. You know, one thing that um, 
I, I, a lot of times when I tour this show, I do Q&A and I, I do a lot of community outreach. It's really a piece about community. And one of the things that I balance in the show is this sort of um, recognizing that there are things that um, are really valuable that, to, that we see in this footage, which is that, which is that human connection, entertaining each other, community building, the basic elements of, of, the, of the things we hold so dear. Um, the other side of that is that this was an era of segregation, and it was also in the middle of the Depression. And um, it's not sentimentalizing exactly. I, there's a lot of, especially a lot of the tunes with lyrics are sort of tough lyrics. And, um, you know, it's a tricky thing to look back at a time and that was so hard for almost everybody in this film, actually. I mean, there's some store owners that are doing really well. We, we, don't, we don't get any footage of the owners of the Cannon Mill. We do get footage of people streaming out of the factory, and they do look very, um, you know, it was a great thing to be employed. Right. But it's a rough time. And, um, you know, to the, to the segregation part, the, the, this footage, the films we saw, were maybe, maybe 60% white community, 40% black community, but... I was really happy to get that 40% black community at that time. The filmmaker was white and he went to all parts of these towns um, and got a lot of amazing footage. And, you know, some of these movie theaters at the time were segregated. There would be an area for um, white people and there'd be an area for everybody else. Or there were just black theaters and white theaters. And he showed in all of them. Um and um, what we've done in, in the editing process to basically to reflect a little bit more of what our world looks like now is we've um, integrated it. So there are, say, themes of children and it goes between um, a child jumping off a diving board into a, a pool and then uh, like a white child j- jumping off and then a black child jumping off a cliff down onto onto the dirt below or, or things like that to sort of, without being a political piece, it's definitely about um, where we've been, where we could go, our potential. Um, and, um, you know, there's a song that comes about halfway through that, you know, halfway through after there've been so many um, kind of joyous faces in it. That's one of the remarkable things about it. You know, a lot of the footage we see of the depression era um is, well, it's either selling something or it's, um, you know, WPA stuff or stuff that was basically proving that things were hard. So it's it's photos of people looking downtrodden and uh, desperate, you know, and this footage is really people like representing the most hopeful, powerful part of themselves because they're interacting with one guy. He was five foot one and he was charming and he was coming there to make them look like heroes. And so it's special in that way. Um, and so a lot of the footage is very sort of joyous. And then there's this song in the middle. Those good old days were not so good to me. Back on the farm in 1933, depression took most everything we had. Those good old days were mostly pretty bad. You know, so there's a million verses, but it's sort of 
Um, definitely making a point that we need not sentimentalize or look at this time through rose-tinted glasses, but we can see the things that have changed and the, and the human connection that was there that was so strong and resilient and powerful and, you know, let it inform our lives. So going back to what you're saying about the way that... Um, Finn Taylor had integrated these different communities, black communities and white communities. If he was planning to show this film in, a, for example, an all-white theater, he would put all-white footage in it because the whole, the whole vision was of people seeing themselves. Um, so watching it was, was very interesting. I mean, it, it's really, you know, I love this footage when I first saw it. Uh-huh. Um, Aaron, the curator at Duke, sent me um, two movies. So I had about like 30, 40 minutes of footage. I put it on. It was actually the footage from the town of Kannapolis, which is some of it is black and white, um, black and white uh, footage and some is color. Oh, wow. Um, You know, so there's both. So there's black and white and color and the color is gorgeous. Uh, You know, a lot of it is really gorgeous. But I loved it. But then, you know, after about eight minutes... I didn't know anybody. It was sort of like watching, you know, somebody else's home movie. It's beautiful and you can get into it, but then you don't know anybody. And then it just, there. I felt like I, I, I had to, we kind of had to reorganize it so it could be our home movie uh-huh. rather than their home movie, you know, and, and Finn was able to do that through his, you know, through his chops, through his, you know, feature filmmaking chops. Somehow I now feel really connected to it. But when I first saw it, it was obviously beautiful material, but overwhelming after a little while. So talk to us a little bit about this performance that's coming up on Friday, April 5th. You're kind of showing this film in in your home territory. How does that feel to bring this project to Humboldt County? I'm so excited. I've been wanting to do this for years. I, the premiere of this piece was in 2015 and I've been traveling around mostly, well, I guess the East coast and the Midwest and we've done, we did the Mill Valley Film Festival, but we haven't done any other, um, West coast shows yet. And, um, it's clearly something that communities respond to, and so to bring it here is is really going to be um, powerful for me personally um, to be able to play it for the people that I see when I drop my kids off at school and the people that I grew up with that help build the community that I grew up in, this tiny community, the people that run um, the co-op and the people that, you know like you, the people, my musician friends, you know, all the various little circles of communities that make this place such a wonderful place. And and there is a tremendous amount of um, community spirit up here. I mean, it's something that you feel right away. And people people remark on, you know, I, I grew up here and I lived here till I was 16, pretty much all the time. And then I left and I mostly lived in New York for, you know, a long stretch. And I would occasionally come back as a musician and play in town. And I really felt the the um, people, you know, people really show up. They show up to be in a room together, to hear stuff, to to share something and to bond over that. And I I always felt really proud of the the effort and the the 
the commitment that people have to that and and my fellow band members who you know were just traveling to a town they didn't know anything about really always remarked on that and um this piece you know i i i've played i don't know maybe i play once or twice a year here but but haven't really brought my own thing here since i was at the van Duzer. um you know like when was that Eight, seven years ago or something like that i i mean I've done a couple things. Anyway, a lot of those are instrumental shows or shows of my own music that feel a little bit like they're about me. Um, this really feels like it's about us. And so I'm particularly, like, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited to bring it. I'm really excited to see it. Canapolis, <clears throat> A Moving Portrait, Jenny Schreiman's uh, Canapolis, is going to be Friday April 5th, featuring Jenny Scheiman on the fiddle, Robbie Folks playing banjo, and Robbie Gerso, is he playing the resonator guitar? Yeah. Um, and that's happening at the Arkley Theater at 7.30. Tickets are on sale right now. Jenny, do you feel like playing us out with the song? Okay, let's see. Um... You want to hear a song with words? You want to hear a fiddle tune? Let's see. Maybe I'll do a little verse of something and then I'll play a fiddle tune. This is a song. Um, there's a couple songs in the in the piece that that I didn't write. This is one of them. This is an old mill song about a vision of uh, heaven as continued employment. Okay. Well, I dream that I had died and gone to my reward a job in heaven's textile mill on a golden boulevard and the mill was made out of marble the machines were made out of gold and nobody ever grew tired lord nobody ever grew old the mill was built on a garden No dust nor dirt could be found The air was clean and it smelled so sweet With the flowers and the trees all around And it was quiet and peaceful in heaven There was no clatter or roar We heard the most beautiful music As we worked at the spindle and the loom and the mill was made out of marble The machines were made out of gold And nobody ever grew tired, Lord Nobody ever grew old When I awoke from a dream about heaven Well, I wondered if there would be A mill like that one here on earth For people like you and me and the mill was made out of marble The machines were made out of gold And nobody ever grew tired, Lord Nobody ever grew old I guess you'll have to imagine that with three-part harmony It sounds lovely by yourself <laughs> I'm sure it'll sound incredible <laughs> When you come to the Arkley on April 5th We're talking with Jenny Scheiman about her Moving Portrait, Canapolis. That's coming to the Arkley. Go and see it. Jenny, you got a fiddle tune for us? Play okay. us out. Got tune to KM. Okay. 